Good morning, church. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning. Hope y'all are doing well. It is truly a joy to be with you this morning. My name is Marco. I serve as the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. Uh, in the event that you didn't hear LC, which she did a tremendous job on, we're going to find ourselves in 1 Peter. That's in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're only looking at verses 10 through 11 this morning. Uh, but in a moment, to provide you with a little bit of context, we're going to look at verses 7 and 8 just for a moment. But uh, have your finger on 1 Peter 4 and then have it on uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Why not? Anyway, as you open, load, and ready your Bibles, uh, I've got a couple of quick updates for you. The first one is that if you are new, I'd love to hang out with you. I'd love to take you out to lunch, dinner, coffee, all that jazz. Uh, so let me encourage you, let me invite you to fill out a Connect card. Drop it in the, uh, the Connect desk in the back. One of us will get with you and, and we'll get to hang out. Uh, and if you're new and still learning a little bit about Storehouse McAllen, all the, the ins and outs and the whys, let me invite you to our new visitors lunch happening on the 13th of February. You're gonna see more details about that on the announcement videos later today, but I just wanted to shoot you that invitation. In addition to that, we love God's Word. We love preaching from God's Word. Therefore, we love to gift God's Word. So if you do not have a Bible, take one that is our gift to you. Well, I think those are all the updates I have. Uh, let's dig into our time. So my mom would always tell my brothers and I, there is no maid in this house. And uh, this week, as I thought about all of the chores that my brothers and I would do, I started to realize that when we would hammer out these responsibilities, uh, inevitably our personalities would come out. My eldest brother was all about promptness. In other words, she would give him a chore, give him a task, and he'd take care of it right away. As my brother has gotten older, I think he has lost that gift. Uh, my second brother is all about how clean and how tidy and how tight things look, wants to make it streamlined. My third eldest brother is all about aesthetics. He wants to see uh, uh, the angles of the way things are set up. He wants to implement creativity uh, in the way in which he would do some of those chores. And then there was me, and I was big, and I am big on organization because that's the right way. And so my brothers and I, our personalities would just come out as we would be giving these tasks, chores, and responsibilities. The church, in similar, is a community of believers, uh, a family of believers. And as a family, I want you to know, there is no maid in our house. Everyone has responsibilities. Everyone has received and is called to grow in their gifting and skills through service. In the New Testament, God, through the Apostle Paul, refers to the church as a body, and as a body, we are members one of another. And every single part of the body, every single part has a function, has a role, and it has a distinction. And that's what we're going to be considering this morning, giftings and skills. 
Over the last several weeks, we've been examining what God's Word teaches about stewardship, and we've assessed that stewardship is the application of wisdom in what God has entrusted us with and gifted us with. We began by expanding on wisdom and stewardship for about two weeks, and then last week we began to apply what that looks like in various contexts of our lives. For instance, last week we considered what redeeming our time looks like, while today we're looking at gifting. And I know that when it comes to gifts, I know that when it comes to gifts, many Christians, we're just going to be honest because after all, we are a family, many Christians can over-spiritualize it for a variety of reasons. Okay? I'm gonna, so I want to say at least two things. The first, we're not necessarily going to address the gifts of the Holy Spirit. While we affirm them all, while we affirm them all, that's not the point of this sermon. If you want to know more about that, we actually did a series on the Holy Spirit. You can go online, storehousemccallan.com, and go listen to that because you're an adult. In addition to that, if hearing about the gifts gets you a little nervous, maybe you should read your Bible. All right? Second, when we consider the New Testament, gifts or gifting was normative. The only time it wasn't, the only time it was an issue is when churches like the one in Corinth was abusing the gifts of the Spirit. So let's keep that in mind this morning because here's what I really want you to consider. This is the main idea. Here's the question. Here's what I really want you to consider. The question isn't whether or not the Christian has a gift, but whether or not that gift is being used for the dismissal or the display of God. So let me pray, and then we'll look at our text this morning. God, we thank you for your mercies this morning. We thank you for your abundant grace this morning. Whatever it is that we do not have, may we receive it from you today. Whatever it is that we do not know, may you make it known to us. And whatever need we have, may you supply it by your grace. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Much like last week, I want to give you a brief context of our passage here in 1 Peter so that we have an idea of what's going on as we focus on verses 10 through 11, or 10 and 11. 1 Peter, in the event that you've never read it, it's this letter in the uh, New Testament. It's a short letter. Uh, it's written to Christians from the Apostle Peter. Uh, it's written to Christians who are displaced, and they are facing tremendous amounts of persecution. And over the course of the letter, Peter has been reminding them of their identity in Christ, grounding them in the word and work of Jesus for them, and then reminding them once more of their collective identity as a royal priesthood. Much like the Apostle Paul, at this point in the letter, Peter has turned his attention to the application of the theology. And in chapter 4, he begins to address their suffering, their persecution, and he addresses their steadfastness, the steadfastness that they are meant and supposed to have in spite of difficult times. And so if you have your Bibles open, I want you to consider verse 7. It's going to give us a little bit of context. This is in chapter 4. In verse 7, Peter writes, "...the end of all things is at hand." Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake 
of your prayers. That little phrase, the end of all things, there are a variety of interpretations for that little phrase. Some people uh, take that to mean that he was talking about the return of Jesus. Uh, Some people take that to mean the destruction of the temple in AD 70, if you are a history nerd. Some people take that to mean that he's just coming to a close in his letter. Right. Regardless of the interpretation, one thing is sure, that uh, at one point, Jesus is going to return. He will claim his bride. Whether it's now or later, he will do so. And so that's ultimately what Peter's getting at. Because as these Christians have been displaced and as they are undergoing persecution, they're kind of freaking out a little bit. And so what Peter does is he urges them to be sober-minded so that they would not live frantically, but faithfully, okay? Paul does something similar to the Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. He corrects them because there were people surrounding their church saying that Jesus has already returned, and I don't even know why we're doing what we're doing. We should just live however it is that we want to live, and Paul corrects them. Likewise, coming back to 1 Peter, Peter is urging them, hey, don't live frantically, live faithfully. And the way in which you're going to do that is, one, knowing that Jesus is going to return, yes. Two, in spite of the difficult times that you are experiencing, in spite of the, of the dark days that are ahead, you need to be sober-minded so that you would apply sound judgment to what you are doing and who you are doing it with and who you're around, so it's very interesting that he tells them to, to, to hunker down on, on steadfast ground. And so he reminds them here, uh, in addition of standing firm, he reminds them of how to engage one another. That is through love and forgiveness and hospitality. In other words, Peter is saying, yes, Jesus is coming back. And because he is coming back, that does not mean that we just forfeit our responsibility to one another. Essentially, Peter gets to his own, there is no maid in this house phrase. And that's where we find ourselves, verses 10 and 11. And so much like we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, we're going to look at three sections or three questions. We're going to look at what is it that we faithfully steward? Why do we faithfully steward gifts? How do we faithfully steward gifts? Okay. So the first question is, well, what is it that we faithfully steward? This entire series has been on stewardship. What is it that we faithfully steward? It's a really easy answer because it's right in the beginning of verse 10. We steward the gifts that we have been given. We steward the gifts that we have been given. Now, check it. Here it is. Here's the great news. Uh, here's some good, a good word, right? Good news is the gospel. Here's a good word. Every single Christian has been given at least one gift. Look at verse 10, and we're going to slowly break all this apart. Verse 10, Peter says, As each has received a gift, every single Christian has been given at minimum one gift from God to both cultivate and to steward. Every single Christian. So I want you to take heart in that encouragement because I get that sometimes some Christians in the church feel misplaced or they don't know where they fit in or they don't know their gifts and they don't know if they even have any. You do. You do. You have been given at least one gift. Additionally, as much as I hope that is an encouragement, I want to be real with you. 
please make sure that you humble yourself. Because whatever gift or gifts that you have been given from God, whatever they are, they are for you, but they are not about you. See, that's what the Corinthians got wrong. And that's what Paul corrects them in. So I told you to have 1 Corinthians 12 handy. We're only going to look at verses 1 through 7. Here's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, similar language as Peter, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When it comes to 1 Corinthians uh, 1 through 11, or excuse me, 1 through 7, one of the things I appreciate most is that Paul is urging them uh, to be informed because they are ignorant. And it sounds like an insult, but being ignorant means you're just uninformed. When we have a misunderstanding or a poor view of why we have gifts and how the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts, one, it could land us in a place of ignorance, and that's what happened with the Corinthians. That's why Paul is saying, I don't want you to be uninformed, right? Because at this point in 1 Corinthians 12, he's writing to them because they are abusing the gifts of the Spirit. They are using them inappropriately and even in ungodly ways, and so Paul is telling them, you're ignorant right now. In other words, you're uninformed. You are unable to apply wisdom. In fact, you're not applying wisdom or discernment as you exercise these gifts. And what happens when we are living in ignorance is that it can lead to immaturity. That's essentially what Paul is getting at with, uh, with this section. Again, they are, mis, uh, they are using them inappropriately. They have this misunderstanding of the purpose of the gifts, right? They have this weird view of how to actually approach them. And so Paul is saying, in your ignorance, it has led to immaturity. And most of the time, that ends up happening in the church. People will embrace ignorance, and what it does is that it leads to immaturity, now, if you want to talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians 12 all the way to 14, so many people love 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, but they forget verses 1 through 7. They forget verses 1 through 7, though people will talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we are to embrace them and all of the things that we need to do and forget that the context of those two chapters is Paul actually correcting the Corinthians. Ignorance leads to immaturity, and sometimes the church is guilty of choosing ignorance. And so what Paul is saying here is, I want to inform you. I want to disciple you so that you would grow in wisdom, so that you would grow in maturity, and so that you would, in fact, steward the gifts that you have been given. So remember, 
The gifts are for you, but they are not about you. Let us make that distinction. Everyone has been given a gift by God. And we are called to be good stewards of that varied grace. That's what Peter says here. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve everyone as good stewards of God's varied grace. Everyone has been given a gift. And we are called to be good stewards of that varied grace. The gifts are for you, but they are not about you. So let's look at the second question. Why do we steward these gifts? This section is going to be a bit of a mix. Some of the reasons can be a little bit more practical, and they would probably fit in the how to steward the gifts. But we'll see how this goes. I want you to consider four principles as far as why we faithfully steward the gifts that we have been given. This is going to be in 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11. Here's the first one to serve one another. All right? Verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Pretty simple. When we faithfully steward our gifting, the needs of the body are met. And that's the whole point. Have you ever, uh, you know, like cut yourself, paper cut, or maybe you're like in the kitchen using a sharp knife and maybe you had a little gash or something like that, and all of a sudden all this blood rushes out, right? That's not just blood from that one body part. What the body does when it experiences trauma is that it sends more blood and vital resources to whatever area has uh, received trauma. And the purpose of the body doing that immediately is so that it would begin to heal itself so that that area would begin to heal. Serving one another is like that. Serving one another comes as a result of two things, according to Peter in this passage. The first is being sober-minded. We looked at that very briefly in verse 7. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That if we're going to serve one another, we need to be sober-minded so that we know how to meet the needs of the body. We need to have sound judgment. In addition to that, Peter says that we're going to do this by loving one another. He writes in verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That word earnestly means to strive in the midst of conflict, in the midst of tension, to strive to continue to love one another selflessly. Sending those vital nutrients, sending that vital resources to areas that need healing, that need help, that have just received trauma. Stewarding our gifts means that we serve one another. I will give you a practical example of this. Earlier this week, my mom died. My mom passed away on Tuesday. And I haven't told very many people, but I've told some people, uh, and over the course of this last week, we've received, my family and I have received prayers, right? I've been given space with a couple of the guys to, to grieve. In fact, the very first night I was on Zoom with one of the guys and he was just laughing with me as we watched Parks and Rec clips, just serving me by being there, right? My family has received prayers. We've had people check in, which is wonderful. Thank you for that. But in addition to that, I've seen people step up and take on more responsibility over the last couple of days. 
That's exactly what it means to serve one another in the sense that there is a part of the body that has experienced some kind of trauma, some kind of injury, something has happened and there are needs that need to be met. And so the body quickly responds for the purpose of restoration and healing and growth. We steward our gifts for the purpose of serving one another. It's for the purpose of the health of the body. Secondly, we steward our gifts so that we collectively and individually advance the gospel. Don't forget that. Sometimes I think we can be like, uh, what is it, like ingrown Christians, right? That this just applies here. and We're going to stay in our Christian bubble and we're just going to watch Christian stuff that's boring and we're going to do a bunch of different things, right? But it's within the context of our personal bubble. But the idea here is that we steward our gifts collectively and individually in order to advance the gospel because the gifts that we have been given are for you, but not about you. Therefore, when you use your gifting in whatever area God has called you in, part of the goal is the advancement of the gospel. Part of where you are is for the purpose of kingdom work. The gifts that you have been given, you are called to steward them. Now check it, going back to that Christian bubble. Sometimes when it comes to gifting, most Christians only associate gifting with the context of ministry. Gifting is not simply for the purpose and context of ministry, but ministry and the marketplace. The marketplace, wherever it is that you are. If you're a student at school, if you're a teacher with your students, if you have a business with your business, if you go to like the park with the kiddos, the park with the kiddos. Your gifts that you are to steward in part serve to advance the gospel, not simply in the context of ministry, but the marketplace as well. That is how we advance the gospel. Third, this comes out of verse 11. We steward our gifts to display the goodness of God. Let's look at verse 11. Actually, let's look at the second part of verse 11. After he says, whoever speaks, whoever serves, uh, in order that in everything, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We steward our gifts to display the goodness of God. When gifts are used in this way, God's power and grace and goodness will be seen rather than human goodness and ability. The idea is that in every area of our life in which we apply and use our gifts, Jesus is either dismissed or displayed. Peter says it this way. I'm actually just repeating this section, but Peter says it this way. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, that is, through the redemptive work brought about by Jesus and the gifts distributed through the Holy Spirit to you, the whole church reflects the goodness and character of Jesus. Why do we steward these gifts? So that we would build up and edify the church, meet the needs of the church, why do we steward these gifts? So that we would point others to the goodness and grace of Jesus. 
And number four, we steward our gifts to bring God all of the glory. This passage leads Peter to the ending of verse 11. It's called a doxology. That's just a really fancy church word for praise. Here's what he says. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The gifts that you have been, that you have been given have been given to you by God. We have been made aware of these gifts through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, distributing them to us. Our hearts have been stirred by the gospel. Our eyes have been opened by the Spirit at work in us. God is the one who supplies the strength needed to carry these gifts and their responsibilities out. Look once more at the end of verse 11. Actually, this is the beginning. Peter writes, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Circle that word, supplies. Underline it, highlight it, whatever it is you need to do. The word supply has, uh, or supplies has this uh, meaning that the expenses are met. In other words, the Christian sees a service that God wants done and God meets the expense by supplying us with the strength to carry it out. Whether it would be physical or material or emotional supply, he backs you. He covers the expense. Think about it. Part of the reason uh, Christians burn out is because we're trying to do things in our own strength of our own accord. Whether we're trying to show something or prove something to, to one another or man, we're responding poorly out of some displaced grace, whatever that is. When Peter writes that he supplies this, he means God covers the expense. He meets your need, whether it would be physical, emotional, or material, so that you would carry out whatever service needs to be done. God is the one who gives life. God is the one who gives gifts. God is the one who supplies and strengthens us. Therefore, he is the one who possesses glory by right. We faithfully steward our gifts so that the church would be healthy, so that the gospel would be advanced, so that the goodness of God would be on display, and to bring God all of the glory. Final question. How do we faithfully steward our gifts? Here's a short answer. By using them. Listen to, to Peter. This is verse 10. It's very biblical. Check it. As each has received a gift, use it. So you can underline that. There. Well, I just want to know where it says that in the Bible. Use it. Not the agas, bro. Okay? Use it. All right? Use your gifts. Peter doesn't provide a list of gifts necessarily, but he, at the minimum, 
breaks down gifting into two categories. The first one is speaking. So this is all verse 11. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. That little phrase, oracles of God, is another phrase for the word or words of God. There are good words, and then there are God words. There is good advice, and then there is good news. When it comes to speaking, or the, this category of speaking, many in the church tend to boil it down to preaching, teaching, speaking in tongues, and, and perhaps just the capacity for leadership. And that's as far as it goes. But that is such a limited view for this category. Speaking the oracles of God, the words of God include encouragement. Like you have no idea how big of a deal encouragement is to an individual who just feels dried up. Walking up to them and encouraging them with the word of God is a great encouragement. It builds them up. Have you ever written a handwritten letter? That is so adoring. My family and I have received a couple. Have you ever called, not text? Have you ever called someone? Just thinking of you. Just want to let you know I'm praying for you. You're on my mind. All right? If you have this view of speaking, this category of speaking, and it's primarily teaching up here or preaching and teaching in other contexts, then you're completely dismissing a bunch of other things. Encouragement is a big deal that builds the church up. Additionally, this includes prayer. When you pray for someone, when you pray over someone, when you let them know that you've been praying for them. Prayer calms the heart. It reminds us of the gospel work of Jesus for us. What about singing? Several of you sing up here. That's awesome. You're amazing at it. Uh, some individual like, well, I can't sing, therefore I'm not going to be in the band. No, but you can sing collectively because it disciples our children. It disciples our children, not in the sense of they should sing. No, it disciples our children saying, man, God is worthy of all of our praise. I think about our community group leaders who open up their homes regularly, Right? who open up their homes regularly and are encouraging people in the church regularly, who demonstrate hospitality by inviting them not just into their homes, but into their lives, praying for them, uh, going through the word of God together. So the first category is serve by speaking. Doesn't have to be in the context of preaching or teaching. But if you're going to speak Speak the words of God to one another. Speak the gospel to one another. Encouragements. Build one another up. The second category is serving. And once more, this is often a limited category. When it comes to serving, sometimes it seems as though, in my experience, it seems as though serving falls under two uh, lanes. One, serving is, well, what is it that the church needs? And by church, I mean facility, building. Right? The other one is, well, how can I serve uh, when it comes to Sunday mornings? Now, both are legit, but it doesn't just fall under those two categories. For instance, I've had people ask us, uh, hey, what can I do here at the incubator? Like, here's the thing, right? Like, we meet with a bunch of other tenants that are 
creatives and startups and the, the incubators is awesome. And we have people that come in clean and like a lot of things get taken care of here. So oftentimes the needs aren't necessarily for the facility. But if you have some gifts in administration, you like to organize things, you like to work through paperwork, LC will put you to work like that. Everybody's like, I don't know if that's my gifting. Pues no que no. Right? No que I want to serve the church. No, you just wanted to drop something off. Right? The other one tends to be Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings tend to be when it comes to the serving teams. Right? Well, what is it that I can do? I don't know why, but sometimes that does intimidate people. I've, I've, I've met people who have been a part of our church for years and don't serve. And when they ask, well, what is it that you need? You know what? We really could use greeters. People who smile because we have a lot of introverts, right? We, 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 that, that's not an insult, that's just that's for real, right? Um, <laughs> right? And so we need people who can greet and like present the gospel in a hospitable way, which is what our teams are growing in right now, and we're blessed by that. But in addition to that, people say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, oh, that's not for me. And then that's the last time I hear from them, right? When it comes to serving, it's not just in the context of Sunday, and it's certainly not just in the context of a facility. Serving applies to meals, and not just when something happens. Oh, we got to get this meal train in. Have you ever bought someone lunch just because you want to buy them lunch? And I'm not talking about like buying them lunch and then like, all right, see you later, like sitting down with them and actually having a meal. Hospitality, inviting people into your life walking with them as they work through stuff. And that working through stuff may just mean growing up in their faith. It doesn't always have to be some trauma. What if it's just maturity? Serving uh, implies also giving, giving generously. Like really? Yes, really. Yes, funds advance the mission. It's okay to say that. Everyone has been given a gift. Everyone is called to both steward and cultivate that gifting. And if you're not sure what your gift is, come and talk to me. We'll find something. Sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes you're pretty aware. I think about when uh, our congregation first started. And he's not here right now, so we're going to talk about him. Right? I, I don't know if you know Eric. Schmerick, we call him, right? Uh, Eric was a brand new Christian, and so I'm bringing him to church, and we had this need in production, and he just seemed creative, and so I was like, you should do this, and so he was doing production for a couple of months, and uh, he was faithful with it, but at the same time, you could tell this isn't where I'm supposed to be, but he was doing it faithfully. Now, here's the funny thing. He and I worked for the city of McAllen together, right? One of the programs that we oversaw was the Learn to Swim program with all the little kiddos, right? Eric was phenomenal with children, right? My wife had just started our kids ministry and I was like, you know what? You should be in there with the kiddos. And like it fit, like if you can uh, oversee a class of 30 preschoolers in the water, you can totally help out when they're on land. Um, and, and he did it well, and, but we had to figure it out. It took some time, that's okay, that's okay, right? So if you're un not sure, you're like, man, I, really don't know what my gifting is. Come talk to me. We'll figure something out. We'll try it. Before I close, let me offer this last piece of warning. We are to steward the gifts we've been given. We've already looked at the why. 
to serve one another, to advance the gospel, not just the gospel of deeds, but the gospel specifically in that Jesus entered into our world to live the life that we cannot live, died in our place and for our sin, rose from the dead three days later, giving us life to advance the gospel, to display the goodness of God, and all for the glory of God. Here is the warning. Ready? Guard yourself. Guard yourself specifically against your pride. The gifts are for you, but they're not about you. We've already looked at, in brief, what their purpose are. Guard yourself against your pride. If you're like, I don't really know how that comes out, I'll give you a couple of examples. These are examples that I've experienced. These are examples I've walked in. First one is, had individuals say, well, God told me to serve in this way. God told me to do this. God said I am to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe, I'm not knocking that. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Usually, but not always, in my experience, a statement like that is made so that that person would not receive correction or critique. Because when, that, when an individual says something like, well, God told me to do this, I mean, what, it's almost like, how are you going to argue with that? Oh, man, God told you to do this. Well, I'm, I'm going to feel like a jerk if I don't let you serve in this, this context. Right? Yeah, that's basically what a statement like that is. It's because they don't want to receive correction or critique. And so guard yourself against that kind of motivation. Because usually when it comes to something like that, what is missing as in the context of applying wisdom, right? We've been talking about wisdom. How do we apply wisdom? Fear of God, search the scriptures, wise counsel, everyone's favorite, right? And guard your, yourself against serving as an idol. You have to serve in everything and you serve too much and you do all of these things, but you do so without wisdom. You do so without discernment. You do so without counsel or not serving at all. What does that say about what you believe about the body? Guard yourself against those kinds of motivations. Guard yourself against, well, my gifts just aren't being used in this church. That's right putting it all on the table. My gifts just aren't being used in this church. Maybe. Maybe they're not. Maybe they are. Have you talked to someone? Have you received counsel? Or better yet, here's another question to consider. Are they in need right now? When you go back to Acts 6, what we see is that the early church is growing and that the needs of the church are slipping through the cracks. And so the apostles go on to say, we need to devote ourselves to the preaching of the word and prayer. Therefore, we're going to assign seven people to meet the needs of the church. And they had some qualifications, that they had to be filled with the Spirit, that I have good reputation, that I know the Lord. Now, these seven individuals that were assigned to meet the needs of the church were well-established men. They were known men. They were educated people. And what was it that they needed? 
sack lunches. The need at that moment was lunches, sandwiches. And so you might say, well, my gifts aren't being used. Maybe. That does not mean that there aren't needs. There was an individual years ago who sent me this email. And on the email, he says, I want to join your church. I'm gifted at preaching. I'm gifted at teaching. So tell me what you need, man, and I'll do it. And I sat down with him. I was like, I need you to pick up chairs. All right. Sat down with them. Kids ministry actually needs help. Well, the thing is, ah, not the guys, bro. Noki, you wanted to meet needs. Right? Sometimes we need to consider what the needs of the church are. Additionally, another thing is when individuals consider their gifts to be private. Well, these are my things. No. Like our faith, our gifts are personal. God has given each of us a measure of His grace, and therefore our gifts are not private. Therefore, when you're hoarding your gifting, you're actually robbing God of His glory. In addition to that, when we do any one of these, when we're walking in arrogance, when we're walking in pride, we're not listening to wise counsel. We're not maturing, and yet we wonder why. But we so zealously want to use our gifts, but we want to use them without context, without order, without structure, without counsel. Church, when we walk in pride and arrogance, our hearts aren't only hardened, our ears are sealed to the counsel from those around us. We won't listen to anyone. You don't want to be discipled by anyone. And you don't grow in wisdom or in maturity. And this isn't, check it, this isn't because of your personality. Well, this is just the way that I am. No, this is because you're trying to be God. This is because you think you're the owner of these gifts and not a steward of them. And when the church, when a part of the body is hurting, you can't help. And even if you do help, you think about yourself and your motivations are displaced. Pride kills the church. Therefore, guard yourself against pride. It is, as God says, crouching at your door. We must be quick to kill our pride and we must kill it daily. Repentance is us not just turning away from our sin, but receiving God's grace for us. We steward our gifts by using them, whether serving or speaking for the glory of God, the good of the church, and to grace those who don't know Jesus so that they may come and know Him. So as I close, when you consider these two little verses, I want you to consider that Jesus embodies all of these. 
Jesus was gifted and stewarded his gifts while he was here on earth. He did so with great intention and great focus, preaching and teaching and discipling and praying and healing. But he also knew what his goal was over and over again, particularly in the Gospel of John. Over 20 times he says, I have come to do the will of he who sent me. Regularly, he tells people that he is glorifying the Father and he is pointing people to know the Father so that they would glorify him. At one point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus snaps, and I shouldn't say snaps, but he rebukes others by saying, what's the point of me showing you miracles? The point here is for me to show you the Father, but you have completely different motivations. Jesus did this not only as our great example, but as our great substitute in going to the cross and dying for our sin in our place. Not only did we receive the grace of God, but the resurrection of Jesus after three days brings the new or brings the hope of new life a new life that we have received through the regeneration of our heart by the Holy Spirit so that we would know God and make him known. We do this by realizing and being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being good and faithful stewards of the gifts God has given us for His glory and our good. So let us apply wisdom to the stewardship of our gifts. Let us cultivate our gifts so that we would remind one another of the beauty of Jesus and then meet people where they are so that they would come to know Jesus and make Him known. Christian, you matter. Not because of your gifts, but because God says you matter. He is committed and devoted to you in Jesus. Gifts are not a way for you to work and earn God's grace. You have already received it abundantly in Jesus. He has satisfied your deepest need. His grace is yours. Gifts are simply a reminder of His work in you. So man, if you've been walking in pride and arrogance, let me invite you to repent to experience God's grace for you again and again and again. Turn to Jesus. Lay those things before Him. Surrender to His Lordship. And let's keep moving. And if you don't know Jesus, love that you're here. And I'm sure that you've done a lot of good things with some really cool skills that you have and your motivation is displaced no matter how good you try. And it is not a work that you can work out yourself, but a work that must be done for you through the gift of a new heart. Jesus invites you to come and know him, to repent of your sin, and to surrender to his lordship. Church, the question isn't whether or not you have a gift, but whether or not that gifting is being used for the dismissal or the display of God. Let's pray.
Father, we, uh, we confess our sins to you. We confess the sins that no one knows. And we confess the sins that everyone knows. God, we confess that our sin is a burden to us. And those sins that are not a bother to us are not a bother because we have grown used to them. We confess this before you as a church. Father, please forgive us. Send the Holy Spirit to us that he may be, that he may be our light in the midst of the darkness we're tempted to indulge in. You have supplied us with the strength needed. You have met our deepest need through faith in Christ Jesus. May your grace pour out onto us this morning so that we would walk in your light for your glory and our good. May the meditation of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing to you this morning. Amen.